from the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me on Twitter, and this is the show where we uh, we talk about DFS strategy, answer your questions, talk about previous slates, look at upcoming slates, work with the tools that we have here at Roto Grinders, like Lineup HQ, like our great premium NBA projections, and you can you can pick all that up. Uh, by clicking on the link in the description, getting $10 off your first month of a Roto Grinders premium membership subscription, right? Combo if you want, right? If you want all the sports, we've got NFL, NBA, NHL, PGA, MMA, soccer, everything that's going on in the sports world. As always, I see you guys in the YouTube chat. Give me those thumbs up. Give me the dummy thumbs to start the day, right? Good thing to good the, the best part about waking up is thummy thumbs on YouTube, right? I think that's what the commercial says. Uh, subscribe to the channel if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. I see you guys in there, right? Josh Duck, Pug Daddy, Hog Lawrence, Jupocalypse, Card Van, Trey, Trey, just Trey, Colin Lawson, got Steve, producing behind the scenes. Wishing everyone good morning. Uh, we got a big slate today in NBA, right? How many games? How many games? We got a lot. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Why? Why can't they? Why can't they? They they should be spreading these things out. It's it's always like uh, it's eleven games on Monday, then three on Tuesday, then eleven games on Wednesday, and then like two on Thursday. It's like come on, let's let's have like seven game slates the entire week through, and so it's not like up and down and up and down. Of course, DraftKings. Even though we knew Luca was going to be out today, they just didn't price the Mavericks up enough. I just, they just said, screw it. We're not going to pay attention. So uh, as of right now, uh, you're going to be playing a lot of Mavericks tonight, uh, at least in cash games. But you, you, I'm, I'm going to think that, that at least one Maverick is going to be on the GPP winning lineup, at least one. Uh, and you could play, play three of them, I guess. Uh, and, uh, and we also don't know what else is going to happen tonight, right? Is Bam going to be in? He's questionable, right? We got Norman Powell questionable. Who else? We got Lillard questionable, right? That's that's a, that's a later game, right? Portland, yeah, that's that's the 10 o'clock game. Jimmy Butler's questionable, right? Because we get Tyler Hero or something because of that. We get Dwayne Dedman. He didn't have that great game the other day, but uh, Robert Williams is questionable. We got a lot of Kevin Porter Jr., Hurter, Suggs, Bogdanovich. Are they going to matter that much? Probably not, right? Got all the way down here. We got, uh, you know, Gian- Giannis doesn't project all that well today. Minus three in the RGB column. Maybe he'll be under owned. I don't know. This is what I do in the morning. You take a look. You take a look, see, right? These are our algorithmically generated projections. Obviously, these numbers will change as they're updated throughout the day with news, with uh, just, uh, you know, usage adjustments, Everything like that. That's why you look at the timestamp up here, right? What did you, you see? Like 5.59 in the morning. No no, no human being was up at 5.59 in the morning to do this. So this was created by uh, the Jimino's algorithm that's run by the hamsters, I think, on the hamster wheel that come out with this stuff. But uh, they'll be they'll be in uh, to, to adjust this throughout the day. Uh, I wanted to show, like, uh, I mentioned a lot of times about removing lineups, like how, how I tend to build, where if you're going to build X amount of lineups, build a lot more than that and then remove the lineups that you don't want. I think a lot of people start and they try to go with like the exposures. They're just like, oh, I'm going to play, I'm gonna play uh, 
20 lineups. Like all people play the 20 max, right? So I'm going to play 20 lineups. And, but I'm going to have 10% of this guy and 5% of that guy, right? Because like 5% is what one lineup out of 20. And they try to do it that way. Instead of thinking in terms of lineups and then remove, then try to build as many good lineups as you can, potentially good lineups that you can, and then remove the ones that, that then just pick the 20 that are the, the best of the bunch when you compare projection to ownership. So I want to show that process to some extent. Now, once you do that, the diversification is a different thing. Like I, I always want to stress that strategy and lineup building and diversification are completely different from one another. Diversification is just a matter of risk tolerance of like, oh, I have 300 lineups to choose from and I want to choose 20 of them. Well, which 20 do you choose? If you believe that all of them have a, a, a similar expected value. Well, that's just a matter of, well, you know, what do you want? Do you want to play? 15 out of 20 with this, that, that, that has the same guy in it, right? Do you want to have the, the same combination? You want to, you want to have a seven, seven guys in your lineup that are all the same. And one guy has changed. So you like the, the differences between your 20 lineups aren't that dramatic. The all 20 lineups are great, but it's kind of like either they all do well or kind of, they all don't do well, but that's perfectly fine. If they're good plus EV lineups. So like one thing I do is I, I build 300 lineups and see what you can build, okay? So like with no, with deep, no defaults, everything's up. You know, 49K, whatever, one unique, just like 300. Just let's build 300 lineups. We already have ownership in here. So whenever I do these types of things in the morning, remember, it's all based on the numbers that I have currently in, in, inserted in here. So this process is something that you probably have to do at six o'clock or something, right? So it's not, you don't do this in the morning and go, oh, and if one guy comes up a lot, it's like, I'm going to be playing a lot of that guy. Because what happens if his ownership changes? What happens if his point projection goes down by a point and a half? What happens if his ownership projection, his ownership projection goes up by five percentage points? Well, then it changes everything. Okay, so I'm going to build 300 lines. So just strictly 300, uh, just basically the top 300 optimals, right? So here I go. And you've probably seen me do this before. And you may not understand why I'm doing it, where I will build tons of lineups and then remove the lineups that project lower but are owned higher than the lineup above it. Because that would mean that it's a, in theory, a, a lower expected value lineup than the lineup above it. Why, why would you want the lineup that projects lower that is owned more, right? As you lose projection, you should also be losing ownership. But what this does is once you once you eliminate those lineups, you'll get a sense and see what players make up lineups that project high and are lower owned, right? You will you will get to see. I mean, obviously, it's going to be a lot of the higher projected players, but you're going to see. Like you, we may get a, a ton. If we take a look here at the ownership here, maybe we get a ton of Patty Mills, right? Because I'm sorted by I'm sorting by salary adjusted plus minus. And looking at this ownership down the, down the line. So maybe we get some more Patrick Beverly, right? Because I take a look at these numbers over here and go like, where, where's the ownership like here? Like compared to Rubio, Mills is here. Maybe Osman, maybe, maybe Caruso compared to Aiton, right? Who's at 18% over here, maybe. So it all depends on obviously on the, on the positional and the positional scarcity also. Maybe get some Tony Bradley more so than Bam Adebayo in this range. 
So I built here. I built 300 lineups. All of them, all 300 have Tim Hardaway and Jalen Brunson. That's that's how that's how strong of a plays they are. Taylor Horton Tucker and Christoph Porzingis. I mean, I told you you're going to be playing a lot of Mavericks. So based on these numbers, the top 300 lineups all contain Brunson and Hardaway. Okay. So now I'm going to go, and this may take a long, this may take a decent amount of time. Go through and see. Okay, the top lineup. This is the, the what would be considered the cash line, right? Two hundred ninety-three is the projection. Two thirty-seven point seven is the total ownership. Okay. Now the next lineup down here has a lower projection by by a point and a half, but the ownership comes down to two twenty-nine, so that's fine. Then you go down to the next one, and you go. Well, the projection goes down by point one nine, but the ownership actually goes up. So between these two lineups, this lineup is better. I mean, not by much, but I mean, it is better because why are, you, why are you playing a lineup that projects slightly lower and is owned higher? Obviously, like I said before, this is based on the numbers that are currently in lineup H2, right? If you change the numbers, if you change any of these numbers, it'll change everything, right? If, once, if I made Cade Cunningham 10% less owned, then this lineup would have less ownership, right? So like, it all depends on the numbers that are in there. All we're doing is manipulating numbers. So if you want to change some of these before you do that, then go ahead. If you want to aggregate across the industry, if you want to make your own manual changes in the ownership and the player projections, do that. So once, once you get the number, once you put those numbers on the players, your basketball mind job is done, right? As long as you're getting, getting a player to a number, two numbers of some type of projection, whether it be median or ceiling projection, whatever number you want to use and the ownership number. Once you get to that, you're done. You're done with the sports. Now it's just a matter of how do I find the combinations that give me the best blend of projection and ownership and lower ownership. So we're going to be removing those lineups, right? So 237, 229, 233. So any lineup underneath this since we're sorting this by fantasy point, by, by median fantasy points, high to low. So any, any lineup that's lower than the one below it should have lower ownership. So you're going to get rid of the ones underneath it. So here, 229.1, this is 227.9. So that's fine. We could keep that line. 227.1, we could keep that line. Here's 233. Okay, this is too high, right? We're lowering the projection, but we're not getting more ownership. We're not lowering the ownership with it. So now we need to be 227. Here's 223. But this one is 235. So why would you play a lineup that projects for lower with 12 percentage points higher ownership? You, you wouldn't if you had to choose between the two, right? Doesn't mean you can't play both lineups. You could end up playing both lineups, right? You could. But if you had to choose between the two, we're, we built 300 lineups and we're trying to find 20 to play, okay? So there'll be plenty of lineups underneath this that, lower the projection and still lower the ownership. So why should it, in, in theory, why should we be playing this lineup? We shouldn't. So here's 236. That's still too high. 229, still not beating it, right? We're just going to keep on eliminating lineups that aren't, that aren't under 223.6 because these lineups are lower projected, yet they're higher owned. So you go through. Here's 221.5. Okay, let's keep that one. 
Now we try to be 221.5. I mean, some of these are really close. I mean, you could keep, I mean, technically, I mean, look, the difference, these two lineups are owned. So total ownership is the same. And the projections difference is what? 0.008. In all, in all, it's pretty much the equal lineups, right? Technically, in a, if we played this out 10,000 times, this would be slight, slightly, slightly higher EV, slightly. So it doesn't mean this is a bad lineup or anything, but I mean, for the for the sake of this exercise, where anything that you know, why would why would you play a lineup at the same ownership, even if it's a point oh eight less projected, you wouldn't. So it's, it's keep and you're going to end up eliminating a lot of lineups. Right, you're going to go and do this, do, and these are the top three hundred optimals. So it's like these are the three hundred best lineups you can make from a projection standpoint. We're not even getting to the point of making lineups that are even outside of the top 300 based on Roto-Grinders' current ownership and player projections. Okay, so we're eliminating anything under 221. Feel free to post your questions in the YouTube chat while I do this because, I mean, this, this may take a, a couple of minutes. Hit that thumbs up button. I have to do it slowly because I don't want to eliminate a lineup that you know, I do too fast. And it's like, oh, I missed that. Okay, so we have to be 221. And I'm not saying that you have to do this process exactly this way. I'm just show, showing you a way, instead of thinking in terms of how to build 20 lineups, how to build 50 lineups, how to build 150 lineups, it's how to build 300, 600, 900, 1500 lineups, and then get down to 150. Get down to 50, get down to 20, get down to three, get down to one. So you're more in the mode of looking at lineups and not players, like what players to play. I'm playing three lineups. What players should I play? It's like, no, why don't you build a hundred lineups and then find the three that you find that, that, that you think are the best. That may help some people. That's how I, that's how I think of DFS. I know that if you, if you sim out the contests, there are thousands upon thousands of lineups that are plus EV. And a lot of them are very close to each other in, in expected value. They have different distributions on how, how they, they reach that expected value. So when you say that there are 5,000 lineups that essentially are as profitable as one another, then it comes down to like, which ones do you play? Well, play whichever ones you want. At, at that point, play whichever ones you want. But, that's, but you're still thinking in terms of lineups. And if, hey, if you build 100 lineups that you believe are all good, and it's like, well, my favorite player is Jimmy Butler, and I want to play three lineups with him, then fine. If you play three out of those 100 that have Jimmy Butler in it. But fine. You're, then, then you could make, you could play whatever diversification you want, you could do whatever you want at that point. So if you, if you look at some, if you look at 100 lineups and seven of them have a guy that you're like, I really don't want to play that guy, well, then you don't have to. Feel free to eliminate those seven. Now you have 93 lineups to choose from. But as long as you're coming from the perspective of trying to build plus EV lineups and not thinking in terms of what players to play and how do I fit them all together? Right? Okay, let's see. 221, 218. Okay, we got down to 218 now. We're going to move that up to make this a little bit faster. 218, we have to beat. Maybe we could, maybe we could get this down to like 30 or 40 lineups. Maybe even less. 218 we have to beat. 
217. Okay, there's a 217 lineup. Keep on going. Could probably do this quicker in like a nail or something. Probably. Two seventeen point one. Oh, we just barely beat it. Okay, two seventeen point one. Keep on going. I don't want to. I don't want to skip any. We have to be two seventeen. Once we're done with this, we'll get a sense of who shows up more in lineups that are in that ownership versus projection range in the top 300 options. Obviously, Hardaway and Brunson are going to be are in every line. So, like, I'm also expecting to see uh, Taylor and Hort Horton Tucker, Tucker probably in all the lineups also. It was a 94% of three, 300. They'll probably be in all of the ones that we end up having. Okay, so who do, what do we have to beat again? 217.1. Okay, two, 213. It doesn't necessarily mean that these are the lines that we're playing. And they're probably very good candidates. 213, we've got to beat, right? You want to make sure? Okay, 213. I mean, some of the ownership down here is like 236. It's like, dude, like we're giving up how much projection and still keeping 236 in the ownership range. Be 213. Let's see. Keep on going. 213. Any anyone, any takers under two? Okay, I see a 212, 212.3. Okay. I gotta be 212. This is 212.9, close. 212. Keep on going. 212, 212, 212. 213 over there. We may not be with that many left lineups. I mean, we may maybe 10. Maybe we end up with just 10 lineups. Out of the 300, the top 300. Doesn't mean that you can make another 300. Just essentially, in order to make another 300, just find where the line is, where the projection line is, and just keep on going. Typically, at this point, you'd look at the, the lowest here is 209. You'd basically look at whatever the lowest number of the ownership that you want at that point, and then you set that as the max, and you build 300 more. So here's 209. So now we have to be 209. Let's see if we could beat 209. 209, come on. I wanted to build 300 just to show realistically you know, what you'd be doing. Obviously, it would be much quicker if I said, let's just do 50 lines. But in doing 50 lines, maybe you only find four. I wanted to find a decent amount. So we have to be 209.7, 209.7. I've showed this type of process before, but I'm not sure if I've explained it thoroughly of why I'm doing this, why I'm showing this, what's the concept? 207.5. Okay, that is lower. Yeah, 207.5. Keep 
Keep on going. Keep on trucking. 207.5. 207.5. Come on. Got any? Got any under 207.5? Feel like I'm in an auction. 207.4. Okay. That is that is lower. I mean, you're not you're not losing that much ownership. And you're dropping, no, you're not even dropping that much projection. Okay, so that's fine. 207.4 now. 206.1. Okay, we're down. 206.1. Let's keep on going. We should be close to the end, right? <laughs> I hope so. Come on, 206.1. Let's do this. Okay, I got to see 203.9. Okay. It'd be 203.9 now. 203.9. I mean, some of these lineups are like, look, 227. It's like, dude, we were finding 227 lineups that have like four points higher projection. Like, what? why are we playing this? We're getting to the end. We're close. We're close. What, we have to be 203.9. Oh, come on. Okay, we're there. 203.9, we got it. Let me take a look at the YouTube chat, answer your questions while I was doing that. Oh, Michael Dompey says, for those in the chat, the Theory of DFS podcast is really good guess. The discussion with Josh Engelman was insightful. Yes, you want to check that out. Which is It's just conversations with sharp DFS players. It's not really interviews. Me and Josh just talked for like three hours about random stuff. In DFS, but feel free to check that out at uh, you know search your podcast uh, wherever you get your podcast theory of daily fantasy sports. Uh, Uncrabby Cabby, hey Jordan, when building lineups, do you ever use the min fantasy points box and build rules? Not necessarily. Typically, I'm not playing those players. That box just means like it's you don't want to use any player that has a projection of X or lower. So like an NBA, it's like any person with a projection of 15 or lower. You don't want to include, like, if you wanted to do that. In baseball, like, I don't want to have any player that has a five-point or lower projection. It's a way to, you know, kind of eliminate all the crappy guys in your player pool without actually having to X them out. I, pr I prefer to X them out to make it easier. But no, it, it doesn't matter. Uh Michael Dampier says, uh, you probably answered some version of this question a thousand times. I've historically built NBA MME lineups with median points and removed players with low ceilings and lots of groups. Yeah, you could do that. You could remove play. You could do it that way. That's absolutely true. You could do it. Uh, let's see. Wig three. I thought correlation isn't a big deal in NBA. Yeah, it, it isn't. I don't know. Did I, did I mention anything about correlation? It isn't that big of a deal. I would think that if you use ceiling projections, running lineups, those ceilings aren't as likely to happen as the median ones. No, well, they aren't. That's why the ceilings projections in our are 86th percentile outcomes. So they'll happen 14% of the time. Or the 84th percentile outcomes, it'll happen 16% of the time. What I would suggest is you understand what projections are. They're a range of outcomes and a distribution curve. 
you're using one or the other doesn't matter that that the standard deviations of NBA players are different, but they're not so dramatically different that that your lineups are going to change that dramatically. Well, do we use ceiling projection? Do you use median projection? You're still comparing whatever number to it to an ownership number. Whatever number you want to use, do whatever way you want to do. Doesn't matter. Okay, so we took a look. Okay, we got 16 lineups. So out of the 300 lineups, the three it's basically the best possible 300 lineups based on based on projections. Okay, the number one lineup is always going to be the cash line. Right? So this is the type of lineup that you just plug into double ups. It's the highest, it's the highest projected, highest owned line. So what what players do they include? Includes a lot of BAM, a lot of Tatum. Right? What players does it not include as much of? You're still getting, you know, some Porzingis. But you're getting basically THT, Tim Hardaway Jr., and Brunson and all of them. Ricky Rubio and most of them. So if we take a look at by ownership. So let's take a look at owners by ownership. Rubio, Ball, Cunningham, Mills. Mills. Osman, Aiton, Caruso, Giddy. Right? Let's take a look. Mills, Osman, Aiton, Caruso, Giddy. Do we have any of those guys? Mills in two lineups. Osman in one. Caruso in two. Have no Giddy out of these lineups. So what that says, like if you if you if you see, we have some Aiton, right? Like if we're missing a lot of those types of players, maybe they're most likely over-owned or the construction doesn't work out this way, right? We get Osmond in this lineup, 49-9. Would you play Lonzo Ball and DeMar DeRozan together? I'm not sure about that. I mean, that, that's a separate conversation. I'm just showing you a process. So if you were to play single-entry three-max contests, I, I, think you'd, I, I, I don't even think you have to do anything more than that. If you're playing one to three entries in those in a smaller to mid-sized field contest, like I said, based on our projections, this would be the optimal number one, right? It's the best, the highest projected line based on our projections. You wouldn't have to care about ownership because who cares? You're just looking to double up, getting over the line, playing head to head. Then as you go down, these are like you know the ones that are directly underneath it may be like very small fields single entry feel if you're playing 200 man 100 to 200 right and then as you scroll down these are more like single entry three max 500 to a thousand then maybe to over here then you get up to like the mid the mid middle stakes type of things so like these these 16 lineups like if you wanted to choose to play your single entry three max i truthfully i think this is if you wanted to just do this i think this process at right do it would be way better than whatever you do right if you're not used to doing this if you're trying to pick out players i want to play this guy i want to should i fade brunson and play that guy should i do like if you're playing smaller field stuff then what pick three lineups from here and look and you see here obviously you're going to be playing all the hardaway all the horton tucker and all the brunson but look you have 12 out of 16 or rubio lineups you could play three if you were going to play three of these lineups. You could play all three of them being Rubio. You could, or you could decide to say, "Well, I don't want to play all of them as Rubio. I, I want to have two out of the three Rubio." That's fine, also. 
I only want to play Bam in one of the lineups. Fine, so you only choose one Bam out of bio. Right? You get all of them right here. So only one is Christian Wood, and he just shows up in the in the, in the album right here. Maybe you want, maybe you don't mind playing three Jason Tatum lines. Okay, that's fine. But just choose three out of these 16. Probably not the first one, because that's like another double up line. So right. So maybe we get rid of that. Okay. So we get you play this in your cash game. So we get rid of that. And then you pick three out of these. Right, you go through and you go, okay, what do I want to play? What do, do I do? Three Mavericks, right? Do I want to play three Mavericks? Maybe you, should, maybe you decide. You said, maybe you could. They're cheap enough that you could play all three Mavericks. But let's say you don't. You just say, I don't want to play all three Mavericks in a lineup. So you remove the Here's one with all three Mavericks, right? Because at this point, you're just choosing between multiple good lineups, right? So here's one with three Mavericks. Here's one with three Mavericks. Here's one with three Mavericks. Here's one with two. So we're looking through where are the three Mavericks lineups. Obviously, there's something you could remove in groups before you even make, make the lineups. But you can go through and just say, okay, I don't want to play all three Mavericks. Okay, that's perfectly fine. You could, but you could choose not to. We also have the, the DeMar DeRozan and Lonzo Ball together. Do we want to play them together? Maybe we don't want to play them together. Okay. They're going to get rid of uh, Lonzo Ball, DeRozan line. Lonzo Ball, DeRozan lineups. Go through. There's Lonzo Ball. There's Bam. There's Lonzo Ball. There's Lonzo Ball. Zach Levine. Okay. Maybe you don't want to play Caruso and Ball and Levine. Maybe you only want to play one Ball. Right? So you see Caruso and Ball. So you don't want to do that. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, you could. Here's Lonzo. There's Lonzo. There's a Levine lineup. Lonzo, there's a Levine and Caruso. Maybe you don't want to do that. Okay, get rid of that. So now you're down to seven lineups to choose from, right? And six of them are Jason Tatum lineups. Six of them are Cade Cunningham lineups. Maybe you decide that you don't want to play Patty Mills. You're like, nah, I don't want to play Patty Mills. Or maybe, maybe just, maybe just don't. Literally, you don't want to play Patty Mills. You said, I, I can't, I can't stomach the thought of playing Patty. Okay, get rid of it. Fine. Now you're down to six lineups. Okay. So you go, you go through here. It's like, do you want to play Aiden in a lineup? Obviously, some of these guys are questionable. And then pick pick three of the lineups. If you're playing three max, right? Do you want to play Dean Wade? Like, do I really want to play Dean Wade at 3,200? Based on the projections, you should. You should. Do you want to play Dean Wade? But let's say you just say, I, I can't stomach the thought of playing Dean Wade in one of my three lineups. That's fine. You have six lineups to choose from. So let's get rid of the Dean Wayne lines. I'm just thinking, to, like, you don't have to do this. Maybe you don't mind playing. You don't even have to look at it. You can just pick three at random if you want. So now we're down to four lines. Okay? So you look at these four lines. Oh, how, how do I choose between three of the four? Well, maybe maybe you don't want to play Tatum in all three of your lines. And you don't, you know, you don't want to have, so let's say, where's a non-Tatum lineup? So this is a non-Tatum lineup. So we're going to get rid of one of the Tatum lines, right? Maybe Ball, Rubio together. Let's see. Is there a Tatum, Rubio? Tatum, Rubio. So you have to choose between Rubio and Ball. Ball's 20% on. Rubio's 26% on. Maybe it's like, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fade more Rubio than Ball. So maybe you're going to get rid of a Tatum-Rubio lineup. 
right? Tatum Rubio. Let's see. Do we have a Tatum Rubio lineup? Here's a Tatum Rubio lineup with Beverly and Cunningham. We got two Beverly lineups. We got this line. This is another Beverly lineup. Tatum, Rubio, Beverly, Tim Hardaway, Lonzo Ball. Okay, we'll get rid of this line with Wendell Carter in it. There you go. Now you have your three lineups. Obviously, it shares four players in it. There you go. Here's your three max lineups. Done. Based on ownership and projection, these would these would be the highest expected value lineups. Right? At these ranges. And then if you wanted to build larger field lineups, then you'd find here's 203, and you'd go in, you go to build rules, and you go, okay, max total lineup ownership, it's 203. And you'd be doing the same process for those lineups. Right? Because you want to find lineups that are underneath those 300 that have a have lower ownership than that because the projections are going to start going even further down. There you go. There's a problem. I mean, this is this just mathematical, you know, it's blunt force mathematical. But obviously once these numbers change, I mean, these numbers change by, I mean, literally by like two points here in, in ownership or in projection, it goes from like, oh, I'm playing Rubio in two of my lineups to, oh, I'm barely playing any Rubio at all. Right. If you say Rubio is going to be instead of 26% owned, 32% owned at the same projection. Well, essentially, all these lineups, this 218 becomes becomes 226 and doesn't fit in. Now, now there are lineups above it that that are better. So you have less root, so you end up with less Rubio. So that's why the, the number, the numbers have to be, you have to use the numbers that you want to use. So like the numbers now is what it is. Do you think? Do you think Patrick Beverly is going to be thirteen percent? If you think, if you think he's only going to be five percent, I'm going to tell you he's going to show up. And if you're going to choose three liners, you're probably going to have three Patrick Beverly liners. Right? If you think Cade Cunningham is going to be instead of twenty percent, ten percent, I'm telling, I'm telling you, you're going to get a lot of Cade Cunningham because look, you're getting a lot of Cade Cunningham even at twenty percent. So at even lower ownership at the same player projection, you can get even more of them. So that's essentially what you're trying to find out. What players make up lineups that have high projection and lower ownership? We start bumping up Hardaway and these, these top guys, right? Brunson, Hardaway, THT. Like at 42, 42, and 35, you're still getting them in like all of your lineups because they project so well for their salary. But you start making them 60, 70%. Maybe, maybe, maybe that you get plenty, of, you get some lineups that don't have all three, that maybe start only having two or only having one. Because the ownership comes down. Because now, now you're eliminating a lot of ownership by doing that. So that's why you, you got to go with the numbers that you're going with. So at the five fifty nine in the morning with the algorithmically generated projections. I mean, just giving you a sense. If these numbers remain the same, this is what it looks like. Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, Bob Bass, I don't believe you're going to get a large enough player pool doing it. Who says you need a large enough player pool? Remember, these are lineups for single entry three max, right? You're going to get, once you start going down even further, right? If I set this at 203 and run 300 more lineups, 
You could do the same process again. Those would be more larger field lineups. And then once you do that again with another 300, then you'd find the, well, okay, this goes down to 170 and you do another 300 lineups. Then it goes down to 140 and you do another three. I mean, and then you could find 150 lineups that you'd want to play. And sometimes the, when you see like the ownership and the projection are barely, barely changed, you can keep both those lineups. Like I said, where it's a fine line between what we're doing here. Like, do I want to play a lineup that projects three points lower and is 20 points higher in ownership? Probably not, but one point, right? 208 and then 208.5 in the next lineup for total ownership doesn't make that much of a difference, right? If you want to keep both lineups, it's perfectly fine. Uh, but you don't need a big player pool. You could have a big player pool. You could have a small player pool. You could, it's the, the amount of people in your player pool does not matter at all. It doesn't matter. It does not change the expected value of a line. You could play on 150 lineups, the same seven players in 150 lineups and just rotate one guy around. You could. Those could be high expected value lineups. Just understand if any of those, those seven guys do, do, gets injured in the first quarter, all your lineups are dead, which is fine. That's just the variance. That's, that's, that's called variance. Doesn't change the, the, the EV of a lineup. So like if we, if we set like here, 203 total lineup ownership and just built, I mean, I don't want to build 300. Let's build 100. So that was our lowest lineup. It was at 203, right? That we had here is 203.9 right there. That's our lowest lineup. Like these lineups could be large field lineups. Yeah, why not? So 289. 287, 287.21. So these lineups that are 203 or below are going to be under right here. It's 286, right? So essentially we're, elite, we're starting where we left off. But now we're not getting 100%. You see here, we're not getting 100% of Hardaway and Brunson because our projection is going down, but our ownership should be going down also. So now we have 201, 286 at 201, right? This is 202. So we'll do the same exact type of process. Here's 200, 200.6. See, like the difference here, 200.6 and 200.7, projection difference of 0.03. Like if you wanted to keep both lineups, feel free to keep both lineups, it's fine. So close, here's 199. All right, so now we have to beat 199, 198.4. 199.198.4, can we beat it? 195, I, I went too fast. But you see here, you can keep on going. You're sacrificing projection. And you're gonna start getting other people in your player, but you're going to start getting, you know, now we're getting more, we're getting Sadiq Bay and Harrison Barnes and Anthony Edwards. And I mean, look, look at the, the, how many, it's getting one Sabonis lineup to Sengun in a lineup right now. You're going to start getting lineups with guys that, that, that aren't as projected as well, but compared to their ownership, it may still be fine. And these would be more of the larger field lineups. The ones that we were building before are more, are more for a small to mid-size. Or obviously the top one, which is would be a double up type of lineup. So you could do it this way, and then see what you come out with. I mean, like you could you could do this. I mean, obviously you could also do this process in Excel. 
You could do this via Python. There, there's a way, like lineup HQ, you could only build 300 at a time, but you could take all, you could imp, export these numbers, the, the projections and the ownership and do this in Excel through an optimization method, you know, a knapsack, you know, solver and do, you know, you can feel free to, you could do 10,000, you could do 50,000. I mean, pretty quickly. I mean, you could probably, you could probably, you could probably make uh, uh, 10,000 lineups in a minute or two. I think, I think nerdy tenors in, in chat. Yeah. I think he could make a million lineups in three seconds or something. I mean, much, he's much better than me doing that type of stuff, but yes, you, you, you could do this in, in, in Excel if, if you wanted to, but you could also do it this way. I mean, this is like the man, the manual way of doing it. Then keep on going and then see what, see what lineups are, are available to you and said, do they fit the contest that you're playing? And then remove the ones that you don't want, keep the ones that you do. And if you're like, I, I don't want to play, you know, this guy in 80% of my lineups, then remove the ones that, that, that then you have like 500 to choose from, right? So just start eliminating lineups that have that guy that you don't want a lot of. In. So you're not even, you don't even have to use the, the exposure mins and maxes. You just say, well, I need to cut my lineups from 500 down to 150. So you go through, it's like, what, 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 who do I don't want as much of? And start cutting those lineups first. And then go to the next guy that you don't want as much of. And cut those lineups. And then you, you do whatever you want. You've already decided that these 500 lineups are fine. Now you're just getting down to how much diversification do you want? And at that point, it doesn't matter. You're looking at 500 lineups that you believe are, for the contest that you're playing, to be of similar expected value. And then just... Which ones do you play? Whichever ones you want. Let's go through the YouTube chat. Do, 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 do. Eric Robertson, struggling with what percentage of bankroll to use now that I'm playing only GPP. I know it is a risk tolerant question. Yes, of course, and different for everyone. But any general guidance? Gut says half a percent to 1% range, but not sure. Uh, it's like I said, it really, it really depends on this. To me, I think it depends on the size of your bankroll. If you're playing with a thousand dollar bankroll and you're playing DFS, you probably can replenish that bankroll. That's, that's not a true bankroll. Like for instance, I have a $300,000 bankroll. So when I play 1%, that's what? $3,000, right? Now, if I were to play 5%, that would be $15,000. But imagine playing $15,000 and losing all of it. And what, like you're, you're playing GPP. You could lose 90% plus. How, how easy is it for me to replenish $15,000? Pretty hard, pretty, pretty damn hard, right? But that's only 5%. And if, if you don't mind that type of, those types of swings, that's perfectly fine. I, I, I prefer not to. I prefer in GPP, I'm, in, I'm more in that half to 1% range, than me personally. But that's with the $300,000 bank. If you have a thousand dollar bankroll and you're playing one percent, that's I mean, we're talking about 10 bucks. Like, can you replen I mean, like, can you replenish that? You could play 10% of that. I have a thousand dollar bankroll. I'm gonna play 10 per I'm gonna play a hundred dollars. Like, what's the worst case scenario? You get down to three hundred dollars and can you replenish? I mean, do you have another form of income or something like that? So that's why in those cases, I don't even consider a thousand dollars to be a bankroll. I don't mean to sound like, oh, Mr. Moneybags or anything. 
but most likely you're playing DFS. If you're watching the show, you're 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 of uh, some 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 decent enough means, and you have a secondary and you have some job that pays decently. That if you if you want that if you wanted to have a twenty thousand dollar bankroll, you could, right? So that's what I would consider to be like to the point in which you would stop playing DFS. So like at a twenty thousand dollar bankroll, like how hard is it to repl replenish, you know, twenty thousand dollars? Pretty decently. So maybe you don't want to play two thousand dollars a slate in GPP. You probably don't even have the edge to even do it like that. So maybe you're only playing five percent. Maybe. Maybe you're playing 1%. You're only playing 200 bucks a slate with a $20,000 bank. You could. It's very conservative. But for me, it, the, size, the size matters. Because when I, when I started with 400 bucks in my DraftKings account, I was playing 50 bucks a slate, right? Which is like, you know, 15%. I mean, I wasn't even playing a percentage. I'm just like, I have disposable income. Here's 400 bucks. It just turns out my 400 never had to be, I never had to put, more money in my quote bankroll just went up from there. Well, it went up and then down and then up. But I, the percentage didn't matter. Like, what's the worst case scenario? Oh, I'm at a four hundred dollars. I'm gonna put another four hundred dollars. Right? I have another job. I, I'm perfectly fine. This is my recreation. So going by a percentage back then didn't make any sense. I'm not going to say, oh, if I lose my $400, I'm never playing DFS again. No, if that's not the case, then that's not technically your bankroll. So at the, at the, when, when your bankroll is at low numbers, like feel free to play 20%. Of it. What are the, you, you, you're going to replace it probably. $300,000 bankroll, imagine losing half of that in three months. How could I replenish $150,000? Pretty damn hard. So I'm going to be much more conservative with my bankroll. So that, that, that's how I think of it. I don't know how other people do. Jacob Calloway says, I play 2% because I'm nitty AF with my bankroll management. Well, it also depends on what types of games that you play. Do you play single entry GPPs, large field GPPs, cash games? I mean, a mix of both. Different sports, you play different things, right? Soccer, I play primarily cash games and small field GPPs. MLB, I'm primarily only playing large field GPPs. I mean, so like, how do you allocate your money around? Depends on the lineups. It depends on the contest that you play. Uh, Bill Tomas, I tend to lock two players that I think are under-owned that project well and pick out the lineups I like within a certain projection and ownership for larger field contests. Is that a bad process? No, that's fine also. Just understand you're going to be playing those two players in all your lines, which if you're fine, but that's fine. It's perfectly fine. There's, there's tons of ways to get to this very similar points. I'm just showing, I'm just showing you another way. A lot of people will show you like setting it because people talk about setting exposures. And I'm like, I think, I think people concern themselves too much on exposure settings and not just picking out lineups and not worrying about the extent. Like, I don't, I don't know how much of this I should be getting until I go through a process like this and go, oh, okay. Maybe I shouldn't be playing that much Patty Mills. Or maybe I can play him in two lineups. Um, which lineup should I be playing in? Then you go from there. But it's so many people, so many people in DFS start with the what players do I play attitude and not of what lineup should I play attitude, which you should be. So I'm just showing you a way that you could focus more on the lineups and not the players. 
Just go as long as all as long as these two numbers or whatever numbers you're using, you believe are accurate. If you want to change them, feel free to change them. If you want to take from another site and aggregate with our project, feel free to do that. If you have your own model, you have your own way of uh, determining ownership projection, do it that and then import it into here, whatever. And then start choosing, then start building lineups and just try to just choose the lineups. I'm playing 20, I'm playing five. I'm playing three and three max, but I'm also playing 20 in a large field. Okay, so save the three that you want here and pick the 20 you want there. Now you have 23 lineups and there you go. And you could go through this entire process. Now, obviously like, you know, 6.30 news, someone's out and whatever and everything starts changing. Well, you're gonna have to do it again, right? Yeah, you have to do it again. So you understand why, like when people ask me, like, you know, this morning, like at 11 o'clock in the morning, who are you playing? Or even at two o'clock in the Discord, someone will say, oh, well, is this guy and that? I have no idea what I'm doing. Right? If Locks at seven o'clock. I, I, I'm not, I'm, not even, I'm barely looking at what's going on until five, the 5 30 injury break, Eastern time. And there's still maybe some questionable people. And maybe at that point, I start doing this type of stuff. I may look in the morning, I may take a glance like I'm doing right now in the morning, but I'm building anything until. So the numbers are better. So the numbers are more accurate. Uh, Jacob Calloway, Blender, have you altered your process regarding removing the fringe negative correlation in NBA? Example, centers from opposing sides. After studying Whistles and Alex doing Sims, I find the fringe cases are fine. Yeah, they're, they're more acceptable than, than what you think. The, the, the negative correlation is not as bad. It obviously depends on the pricing of the players, but no, like I'm, I'm, I'm less inclined to make that many hard rules, but I'm more inclined to do stuff like I show it. Like, I just like, if I have a choice between 500 lineups, do I want to play centers from opposing sides? Like maybe I could just get rid of those. If I believe 500 lineups are about the same, why don't I just get rid of the ones where the two centers are opposing each other? Before, it, not even making a group for that. Just like if I see a lineup that's in my candidate list and I have a, the option of choosing any of these, maybe I don't choose that. But yes, I, 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 I'm with you that those types of fringe, those very small negative correlations, like I'm less inclined to just hard code in. It may be something that obviously lineup against you does not have correlation boosting, but it may be the type of thing that, you know, if, so, if this center is in the lineup, bump the projection of the other center down 3%, like something like that. And even and then even when you do that, you may still get them together, right? So like, that's what I mean by, yes, it's a fringe case. So no, I do, do not do it as much as, as I did in the past. I used to make a lot of groups in NBA, but I, but, and I was correct by doing so, negative correlation works, but it's still, I'm taking, I'm, I'm basically building myself out of a lot of lineups for correlation, negative correlations that are very small. That it may not be what the projection may not, it just may not be worth it. Like that minor negative correlation still doesn't make up for the fact that the guy projects well for X price. So like, what does it matter? So yes, Jacob, I, I am, I'm with you. That's why NBA is, is one of the, is one of the sports where you, you, you're not doing as many of those types of things. Like in baseball, you're stacking, right? And in, in NFL, you quarterback and stacks and games and you know, you're doing stuff. Hockey with you know player lines. 
power play one and you know the second line here where you're just stacking stuff like that nba if you if you never concentrated on any of that stuff you you, you, you probably you probably wouldn't be doing much different jay to the rome with so many games on the slate is ownership a big deal with so many options to choose from it's always a big deal ownership ownership is is a staple foundation of playing dfs ownership always matters <sighs> clay davis asked how do i allocate projections i don't know what that means what do you mean by allocate i don't know it's already in there what do you mean allocate i don't get it you're gonna have to ask the question again okay well, we're, we're, we're pretty much done. Pretty much done. Are people going to use this process that, that I showed? Probably not. Probably not. People don't do what I what I tell them to do, right? Right. Ninety five percent of people just don't 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 bother doing, it. or some type of process, right? I'm just showing you one blunt methodology, right? Daniel and Jacob in the chat will tell me that you know their process is much more precise, which is probably true. That's about probably true. It's definitely true. But I'm, pre I'm pretty sure that my, my multiple ways of doing it bluntly, I probably get a lot of the same lineups that are similar, very close lineups that, uh, that Nerdy Tenor gets. So does it would make sense. Right. Eric Robertson has the perfect answer to that the question. Ownership is important regardless. The size of the contest just changes how much projection you, you're willing to give up for. That's correct. It's always important. Now, how much more than other slates, right? I mean, like, if, if there's a lot of flat ownership, like, if, 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 if the more efficient ownership is, the less important it would be because it's hard that lower your ownership and set with projection. If everyone was efficiently owned, then there's no way, then there's no edge in doing it. Then, own, yeah, and then, then ownership wouldn't matter. If everyone was absolutely, if every player on the slate was efficiently, had efficient ownership, then yeah, then, then you could just, it's, it's, you know, GTO, it's just like, you're right there. Like that, but ownership is never efficient. There's always going to be players and lineups that should be more owned than they are for their projection and their range of outcomes. But yeah, so it, so I, I, I at least want to, I at least want to admit that technically you're right. If ownership was absolutely efficient, it wouldn't matter. That would be the case where ownership doesn't matter. And you'd be you'd be more correct. You'd still be wrong, but you'd be more closer to correct. On slates where ownership is spread out, it's more likely that ownership is a little bit more efficient on that slate than on other slates. So yes, yeah, so as it gets more efficient, ownership becomes less important. I guess, I, that's the, I guess that, that's the, that that's the way to put it. Then on the cases where ownership condenses too much on certain players, where certain players could be vastly over. Uh, Norm Bothwell, how do we know if we're on the right path? If we haven't quite hit one yet? Is it number? Yeah, what you, what you mentioned here. A, a blunt way to see if, you know, running good versus playing bad, you know, that type of thing. Go into Roto Tracker and look at your top 1% finishes in GPPs. You want to be placing more than your fair share in those top 1%, 2%, 3% percentiles. So you want if if you're if you're placing 1.8% of your lineups 
in the top 1%, you're probably playing well. And even if, and, and you've just been getting unlucky, right? You're in top 1%, but you're in 21st place or you're in seventh place. Or you're getting a four, a 14th place and just not a first or a second. But if you're, and you're, if you're only placing like 1% of your lineups in the top 1%, like you're losing to the rake at that point. So you're really, your aim is like 1.4 in the top 1% or higher. And if like, and there are times where, and obviously you want a large sample size, but you could go as entire, you could go a season placing like 2.2%, 2.4% in the top 1% and lose money. That's, that would be running bad. It's like, damn, I'm placing so many lineups up there, but I'm like, you know, that's what happened to me this past MLB season. I think I got, I think I had like, I think I had 16 top 20 finishes. I think out of those 16, I think eight were in the top 10, but I only had one second place, one fifth place and a whole bunch of like eighths and ninths. And especially since a lot of them were on FanDuel and the payout structure is much steeper on FanDuel, but just a lot of stake knives. So I looked at my top 1% of finishes. It's like, I'm finishing, I'm getting like 2%, 2.1% of my lineups in the top 1% on FanDuel. And I'm down money. So it's like, that's just running bad. I mean, just, that's all, all I'm trying to do is get up there. And it just, it's, I'm not getting the, the, the RBI single to get me over, you know, the first place, the home run at the end of the game or something. You know, the, the, the pitcher comes out in the, you know, the, the five and the third innings and doesn't get the quality win bonus or something, you know, like something like that. So that, that, that's a good way to judge. And if you, if it's going the other way, it's like, oh, I, I won one, but I'm only placing 0.6% of my lineups in the top 1%. That means you've been, you got lucky. So that's, that's a blunt way. Is it the best way? No, but it, it, it's, it is a way to determine, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're playing well in GPP. But you want a large sample size for that. Don't like NFL, we've had, what, 10 main slates? Don't look at a 10 slate sample size and go, oh my God, I'm horrible. I mean, 10 slates is nothing. You'd want to look at an entire season of a sport like NBA, right? Or MLB. You want 100 plus. I mean, even that is even that is really small sample size. But it's still, it's better than 10 or a month's worth of NBA play. I mean, even that could be, what, 20 or 30? Still better than NFL. How large of a sample size of NBA entries when that top 1% can be trusted? Within one standard deviation, you we, we probably won't live long enough. All I could say is that the larger the better. Truthfully, I think you'd need a sample, you'd need a sample size that you'd be dead by the time you achieved it to get within one standard deviation. All of this is small sample size. I've been playing for five years every day. Still a small sample size. But still, it's still. Five years of samples, you know, playing every day is still better than a week's worth. I mean, as it, the law of large numbers, as it gets larger, the more accurate, the more closer to the accurate it's going to be. But there's no like, oh, I'm not going to look until I get to a certain number. Like, no, you should always look. What, when do, do I get to the exact number where I could trust it? It's like, you're going you're gonna to be dead by that time. Clay Davis says, if I have my own projection, I want to put it with Roto-Grinder projections. How do you would do that? Oh, you just import it. You go here, click on that. You go upload, download projections, and you have our upload custom projections interface, right? You could even get our templates so you could cut and paste them inside, right? 
So you all have to do is do this. You have a CSV with your projections and there you go. You match up the name file, even show you. There's a little tutorial here, right? Headers in the first row, right? It has to consist of at least two columns, a name and F points column, right? Just right here. And then you upload it and then you go. And then you could take your projections and even aggregate it with our projections if you want, if you want. So, so that's how you do it in lineup HQ. So if you want lineup HQ, you want the tools that we have here at Roto-Grinders, including our premium NBA projections for your free to click on the link in the description, get $10 off your first month of a uh, premium Roto-Grinders subscription, either NBA only or our combo package. Uh, give me some thumbs up on your way out the door. Thummy thumbs, thummy thumbs. I explained some stuff, right? I'll probably have to explain this again. I'll probably have to do this again next week, right? And the week after that, and the week after that, and the week after that. Uh, but uh, hopefully, you know, drill these concepts into your head, try to make you better DFS players. So uh, so uh, hit that subscribe button. If you're new here, the notification bell. Uh, we got Grinders Live later today. Big, big Grinders Live, 11 games late. Who knows who's going to play? We already see Robert Williams is out. Okay, so obviously Robert Williams is out. It's going to change all of this stuff, right? Obviously, like Tatum's rejection will probably go up. Some of that Celtic stuff will happen, right? That'll change some ownership, right? So everything that we just did for the hour, just, just throw out the window, right? All these numbers are going to change. Uh, but uh, but we'll be back tomorrow to go over uh, how, the, how the numbers went from this into what actually happened on the slate. And, uh, and answer your DFS strategy questions as always on the, on, on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com. 